Welcome to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine. Our guests on Episode 58 are Ina Thorne and Tim James. Ina is Executive Director of Backcountry Discovery Routes, and Tim is BDR's Board President. Backcountry Discovery Routes is a nonprofit organization that creates off-highway routes for dual sport and adventure motorcycle travel. BDR has introduced a new route with free GPS tracks nearly every year since 2010. When we last spoke to Ian and Tim on episode 33, the Wyoming BDR had just been released. In 2023, the Oregon BDR was released, making it the 12th full route, and each one can be completed in about a week. Backcountry Discovery Routes has also released shorter BDR-X routes that are loops that can be done in two to three days. Through the tireless work of its staff and many volunteers, Backcountry Discovery Routes maintains existing routes and continues developing new ones. Future BDRs will include Southern California, Montana, and the Southeast. The nonprofit organization provides information, rider education, and safety campaigns to promote responsible motorcycle travel in the backcountry. I encourage listeners to visit ridebdr.com to learn more about the routes and support this fantastic organization. You can also learn about upcoming film premieres for the Oregon BDR documentary, BDR's annual fundraising ride, benefits of becoming a member, and much more. If you've ridden a backcountry discovery route, you know what an amazing experience it is. If you haven't, you should pick a route and start planning a trip. You can join route-specific Facebook groups, and you can get GPS tracks and other planning information, such as waterproof Brutler maps, on the ridebdr.com website. Thanks for listening, and keep the rubber side down. Ina and Tim, welcome back. Thank you. Thank nice you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah we, thank you. We, we spoke, uh, it was actually episode 50, uh, 33, and we're 57 or whatever this number is, 58. I, I'm losing track. But uh, we spoke last year about the backcountry discovery routes a little bit. And at the time, um, your newest route was the Wyoming BDR. And uh, from what I understand, you guys, at this point, you now have 12 full routes that you've developed and released. Um, and you've uh, one of those includes Oregon, which is your newest full BDR route. Is that correct? A hundred percent correct. Yes, that's our brand new route that is just launching as we speak. Okay. Uh, so you know, before we get into talking about Oregon, which of the BDRs, that's actually the only BDR I've ridden myself. But I actually rode the sort of pre-backcountry discovery routes, the one that was developed by the Oregon Off-Highway Vehicle Association. So I'd like to sort of find out a little bit about how your route differs and, and, and so forth. But let's sort of step back for people that aren't quite familiar with what backcountry discovery routes are. Tell us a little bit about your program. Yeah, so uh, Backcountry Discovery Routes, we're a nonprofit organization and uh, we're dedicated to creating and preserving adventure riding opportunities for uh, the ADV community. Like you said, we have uh, now 12 routes uh, in the BDR system, 12 main routes. Uh, but last year, uh, we also launched a new concept, which is the uh, BDRX routes, which are shorter loops that can be done in two to three years. Uh, but, you know, we our mission is to create these routes uh, to inspire the adventure community to discover uh, the backcountry of the United States by motorcycle. Uh, we also advocate for, you know, with the voice of um, adventure motorcyclists in the community uh, and kind of a liaison between the land managers and the community. So if uh, there are any uh, road closures or uh, changes in the routes, we're there in a timely manner to let the community know uh, that the route has changed and they can come and download uh, new tracks uh, or updated tracks on the website. And then we also educate uh, riders uh, about safe travel on public lands. 
you know, promoting safety, we're sharing knowledge and informing community about the right way of traveling in the backcountry. Um, and then finally, our routes bring a sustainable economic impact to rural communities, which has really been an incredible um, kind of feat for our organization. We have just completed our second economic impact study and the results will be coming out in, in spring. But what we found that in 2021, uh, the 12 routes that were in existence at the time generated over $55 million uh, in economic stimulus in these rural communities. So that's kind of it in the nutshell. You know, we, we do a lot for the community and, and for these uh, the riding community, but also for the communities that we travel through. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say that last point about the economic impact, I don't think was something that the founders of the organization saw right away. Um, and it's something that came out, you know, as as BDR developed. And when we saw how we were affecting these small communities, we really leaned in and made it a main part of our mission is, is to, to feed these small communities with with adventure riders who want to spend their money. Right. And and help, you know, and help these communities grow and give back. And they in turn, they turn around and be are advocates for BDR because they see it as a source of sustainable income for them. So we work hand in hand with these communities. So to sort of take a deeper dive into say, let's say a specific route, you know, most of your routes are uh, at this point, they're mostly Western states and they're basically each route is sort of allocated to like, there's a, there's an Arizona route, there's a New Mexico route, there's a Colorado route, for example. I know California is such a long state at this point, you've got a Southern California route and a Northern California route is in development, but being a backcountry discovery route, these routes are mostly through public lands. They're mostly in uh, very remote areas. That's why they're called backcountry. But the way that you've designed the routes, they connect areas where you can get fuel, where you can get uh, there maybe, uh, you know, buy food, uh, there may be some motels or something. So when you're talking about the economic impact, it's more about the the point-to-point uh, places where the riders can uh, go into these communities, refuel, resupply. Is that sort of, is that what you're talking about? That's, that's hundred percent correct. Right. And, and like I said, I don't think the founders saw that coming, but it came out pretty quickly. And we decided, as I mentioned, lean into that. And it, there's also, we're also feeding the industry in a way because um, that, you know, some of that money that's being spent um, we're finding is spent specifically to ride a BDR. So in other words, Riders are preparing for the just to do BDRs. They're buying motorcycles. They're buying accessories. They're buying luggage. They're they're getting trained. All these ancillary um, kind of services and products to enable them to do a BDR. That money's being spent as well. So in essence, we're helping the whole segment, the adventure market segment. Right. Well, you know, the motorcycle industry council uh, not too long ago released its uh, final sales figures for the 2022 calendar year and. You know, overall, the industry has sort of contracted in terms of unit sales, and most of the segments within the motorcycle industry had contracted. But the adventure and dual sport segment is the it's the bright spot. It has been for over a decade. It it shows year after year there's consistent growth in the sales of adventure and dual sport motorcycles. So those are the kinds of bikes that are perfect for riding a BDR. I mean, so it can be everything from a KLR 650, KTM 500 EXC sort of dual sport on that end, all the way up to BMW R1250 GSs and GS Adventures and KTM 1290 Super Adventures and so forth. So the full range are uh, the sorts of bikes that people are riding on these uh, BDR routes. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And now you can even ride a, an electric bike like a Zero DSRX on the BDR. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we always say BDRs are can be done on any budget and on any bike. It just depends on the rider and what you're looking for in your experience, what we can afford, what your resources are. And so we, we just make it easy for people to go and have these incredible adventures that are not somewhere in Africa or in South America, but right here in the backyard. You know, and it's really like what BDR brings. It's managed travel on public lands. And these routes are evergreen and they're supported. So we're not just creating a new route a year. Uh, our volunteers are actively managing these routes. We are, you know, learning from the community or from the land managers if there are any closures or something that needs to be uh, updated or changed. And that's a lot of work. And that's where, you know, when people support and donate to the BDR, that's where the money goes is for us to be able to not just create the routes, but also, you know, keep them evergreen. Um, yeah. That's right. And and Greg, back to your point, uh, I think you you mentioned that you rode the Oregon BDR, the original Oregon Backcountry Discovery Route. So um, there's a case where um, that organization didn't have the resources that that we have to to continuing like monitoring the route, updating the route, informing the public of of what's going on, um, and supporting it. Um, so it was kind of a delicate situation for us to do a, a BDR over an existing BDR. But there is no overlap. It's an entirely new route. I think the uh, the public was ready for it. Because it wasn't getting the attention it probably needed, the original one, there was a lot of, from what I understand, dead ends and and things that just weren't, it wasn't as fluid as as our routes. So, and and all due respect to the organization that did it, I think it's fantastic and and was part of the inspiration for our organization. So, um, but that's what we have to give back is that is that that full support of the routes. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, I haven't had an opportunity to do one of your routes yet. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, some of the planning resources, but I can just speak to my experience. You know, the Oregon Off-Highway Vehicle Association that had developed the original backcountry discovery route in Oregon, and I know there were several different routes within the state, and the one that mm -hmm. I selected, it was mainly because it was the closest one. I live in Southern California, and me and two buddies basically rode up to the Oregon border in Northeastern California, and it was the route that basically went through Eastern Oregon all the way up to Walla Walla, Washington. And we had to buy, we went through the OHVA and bought their paper maps, which mm -hmm. were, we, we basically had to put them in these, you know, sort of almost like binders that we took with us, being able to buy or get a GPS track while they were from different sources and so forth. And like you said, the, the route was developed, but it just was not, it was not maintained in an ongoing way. And so, uh, and since it went through some area where there was uh, grazing lands and so forth, there were gates and some places we had to route around and there was quite a bit of sort of you know figuring things out on the trail so yeah mm -hmm. i can certainly see the value of what the backcountry discovery routes organization does where you not only develop the route but you're on as as ina said you're you're keeping it evergreen you want to continue to maintain it i'm sure if there's some sort of closure if there were some sort of landslide and you had to route the change the route or if there's other things like that 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 is an ongoing part of keeping it uh, a, a living route, I guess, would be a way to describe it. So, yeah, that's correct. So, uh, so again, with the, the your BDR routes, the twelve main routes, most of these are really designed to be completed within about a week's time. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. And most run from sort of south to north. You're running basically the you know from uh, the southern border to the northern border of a state, more or less. Uh, like I said, I know with California, it's such a long state. Um, that right now there's a Southern uh, California route and then there'll be a Northern California route developed. But with, for example, uh, Arizona, 
and north of Arizona is Utah, and then north of Utah is Idaho. So you've got routes in those three states. Could you conceivably connect those three routes more or less and basically go almost like from the Mexican border all the way to the Canadian border? That that's the concept. And and if you look at our if you look at our homepage on our website and you start to see the master plan of you know vertical stripes across the United States, we've got as you mentioned the Northern California route that's in it's in development right now. Once we have that final piece of that puzzle, you'll be able to go from the Mexican border to the Canadian border. Yeah, oh, wow. it's pretty amazing. And people and, and a lot of riders like to do that. They want that grand adventure, not sure. just one one BDR. So. Well, that's uh, that's great. I mean, because uh, again, it's it is a matter of time and resources. Where you know, we actually ran a story um, in the magazine in our January issue, and um, a fella uh, who lives in Minnesota, he and a friend of his, they they went to Arizona. They rented a couple of bikes, and they didn't do the entire Arizona and Utah BDR. They did pieces of it because they were just they kind of were doing this buddy trip. They wanted to explore some places, so. That's also something somebody could conceivably do if they don't have a full week, they could still do a section of a BDR. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And and uh, we even have, um, we've developed a couple of different uh, ways of doing shorter BDRs. Ina mentioned the BDRX concept. Um, and we also have, um, we've published a bunch of um, maps that are what we call bite-sized BDRs that are sections of different BDRs that are looped by then sometimes it's dirt and sometimes it's pavement that just loops you back to the beginning. It's all epic, but we create these little two or three day adventures in those, and those are available on the website wow. um, as well as the BDRX routes. Yeah, but, but to your point, you know, uh, what we publish is that is just a starting point for people, an idea. You can ride the whole route, you can ride two routes, or you can just ride sections of it. And a lot of people do come back and write them sections at a time. So mm -hmm. it's just how much time you, you have to devote to it. And again, it's, it's just a starting point. The mm -hmm. adventure is yours to create. Right. I mean, we have riders who, who have now done all 10 BDRs in, in a year. Wow. Right? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> That's impressive. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I know at least, and in, in, I'm more familiar with my home state of California, um, is that, uh, for example, national forest roads, that some of them are gated, you know, that we've had a lot of heavy rains lately, we've had a lot of snow, there can be landslides. And so anybody who wants to go out adventure riding, even just planning a route is very time consuming, so that you've done basically a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of finding out what is an available route if I, I understand things correctly, even if there's some even some technical sections, you often have some alternate routes that may route around it. If you're like, hey, I'm on a big bike. It's got a lot of luggage on it. I, my skill set is, is you know, more intermediate. I don't really want to go some, you know, uh, really technical route so you can route around. So you really helped provide people with a, a resource that they don't have to do all that planning themselves. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so, yeah. so what sort of resources? You know, again, you're you're a nonprofit organization. Uh, you have a website. What sort of things? If somebody was going to plan to do a BDR, what would they uh, get from your website or from your organization? Uh, what What do you provide? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's free GPS tracks for all of these routes. So you go on ridebdr.com. You can download all of our tracks for free. Uh, and, you know, you can navigate with the navigational app uh, like Gaia or Rever or put it into your GPS unit and navigate that way. Uh, we also partner with Butler Motorcycle Maps to create a professional waterproof, you know, everlasting map that you would want to uh, buy for sure uh, as a supplemental, um, you know, informational resource. You can't really navigate turn by turn uh, from the map, but it'll give you a lot of additional information as you're traveling. 
we have a very uh, very robust uh, resources for each uh, route on the website. There's an interactive map, so you can zoom in and and see, you know, the, the typography of the route. We have a, a FAQ section where we try to answer as many questions as as riders, you know, perceivably might have. Uh, we've got a listing of lodging, food, uh, gas stations on the route. Um, there's also a dedicated Facebook group page for all, mm -hmm. all of the routes. So we've got now 12 Facebook group pages that we're managing. Um, and that's where riders can go and join, join the group, become a member, ask any questions related to the route. Uh, you know, people post uh, ride reports and the most up-to-date information on, on the route. So that's a great resource as well. Um, and then, of course, we have the feature-length documentary film that we produce, uh, which is kind of the first expedition uh, of all of us on that route where we're riding with variety of skill levels, different bikes. So we're kind of testing the ground to see how is it doable. And that's where we really um, you know, can hone in, is this a, an advanced route and we need an easier alternate around it. So um, we do all that work and uh, we have a feature length documentary film that right now, um, I think this spring we're having almost 70 uh, dealership film premieres happening all around the country. Uh, so you can go to your local dealer and, and meet like-minded, uh, you know, passionate adventure riders, watch the film, get inspired and, and go and plan your adventure. I think that's it, Tim. Am I, yeah. am I anything? Well, uh, just an extension of the of the main film. We then take the take that the video assets and we carve them into what we call section videos, and that's where we get a little bit more granular about the, each section. And we put the videos up on YouTube. And say you wanted to go do section one and two, and you wanted to get a real feel for what you know, a little bit more detail around it. Those are great. They're usually a couple of minutes long, um, and we're in the process of doing that for Oregon right now. But have them for, for the other routes already done. Right. So, so the, the film premieres, you know, that you were talking about, is this going to be for your feature film about the Oregon BDR? Yeah, so that's the Oregon BDR film. It's happening right now. You can go on our website, ridebdr.com, uh, go on the events, and you'll see the listing of all the upcoming events. Uh, and I do want to mention that the film then will become free on YouTube uh, starting May 5th. Uh, May 5th, we have our online premiere of the film, and we do a live broadcast we have our route architects that will be the guests of on the uh, live YouTube broadcast, and then mm -hmm. we'll basically release the film. We'll show it live, uh, and then it'll be available for free on YouTube in perpetuity. Yeah. yeah, and the nice thing about these film tours is they happen in the in the winter months. They'll they'll start usually in the beginning of February and run through May, and it gives dealers the opportunity to host these film nights and get as many as you know sometimes two or three hundred people in their dealership on a. Friday night in the middle of winter. Um, I mean, you talk about opportunity, right? So it's another way that we give back to the um, to the industry. Well, I mean, definitely. I mean, so your organization, I mean, you're obviously providing a very valuable informational resource as well as all the planning that you do uh, and so forth to develop these routes. Uh, you talked about the economic impact, which is obviously very valuable to the motorcycle industry as well as these communities that your routes go through. But it sounds like there's also this community that you've built, you know, of like-minded, you know, adventure, dual sport riders that everybody wants to sort of, you know, bench race and talk about their, you know, what trips they've done and what trips they want to do. So to be able to go to a, a local dealership or to get just online and connect with people, I'm sure there's people that are like, hey, I want to go do the Colorado BDR 
this time of year, does somebody want to join me? Because maybe they don't want to do it solo. So I'm sure that's mm -hmm. that's also a great resource. So, yeah, wow. the fa the Facebook the Facebook group pages have turned into just that a community for each route, and it's anything from getting information, real time information about what's happening. I'm heading out next week, or you know, what's right. what's it look like? Anything to watch out for? Or I'm heading out in August. I'm planning a trip in three months. Who who's interested in coming? So it's really great. It's a very much so a, a community building you know, uh, destination, those Facebook pages. So uh, again, your organization has, uh, like I said, you've got 12 routes. You've been, uh, when did, when was the uh, Backcountry Discover Routes organization started? We were founded in 2010. Okay. So 13 years you do, like I said, you roughly, you've got roughly a, a route a year. Uh, I know most of them are Western states. You've got the Mid-Atlantic is uh, the, your one Eastern route. You mentioned you've got a BDRX. Where are those, you've got two BDRX routes. Where are those located? So, you know, on the East Coast, we actually have two routes, uh, the Mid-Atlantic and, and the Northeast, uh, okay. and we're working on the Southeast. So at some point, you know, the Eastern part of the U.S. will also be, you'll see lines all, yep. all across there. And those are multi-state routes, actually, right. on the East Coast, because, you know, they're, they're small states. Uh, but yeah, so we also uh, have now BDRX routes, which are shorter routes that loop. You can do them anywhere between two to three days. Currently, we have two uh, that have been released. One is the Red Desert, BDRX in Wyoming. Uh, and uh, another one is um, PA Wilds in Pennsylvania, which is kind of off of the Mid-Atlantic route. Uh, and then there's two routes, two BDRX routes that are that will be released in 2023. Uh, one is the Steens Mountain and Alver Desert BDRX that shares the start with um, the Oregon route. And then another one is the Black Hills, South Dakota, uh, that will be released in July. And that's a really great, easier ride, uh, but very scenic and historic. So we'll be releasing that in July, actually, um, during the live YouTube broadcast from the Rivzilla Rally that's happening in Sturgis in July. Wow. Okay. That's great. So I, yeah, I guess I forgot about your Northeastern route. So that's actually an interesting thing because, I mean, I again, living in California, I'm actually from back east, but... You know, uh, what we can kind of take for granted in, in the Western states is there's enormous tracts of uh, public lands. And I, I know these routes don't tip, can't probably go through national parks, but there's BLM land, there's national forest land, uh, there's all kinds of, you know, uh, open space. I imagine that creates some challenges on the eastern seaboard, uh, you know, developing these routes. You know, you mentioned that most of the states are smaller, so you want to connect several states in a single route. But there's a lot less public land. So how do you route through some of these areas? Like you're talking about mm -hmm. developing the Southeast. Um, how does that work? Very carefully is how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Very carefully. I had a, a major role in the development of that Northeast route. And I can tell you that it's it's very much more difficult than, than doing one in, in the West. We don't have BLM, right? We, we, yeah. we don't. Um, we just flat out don't. So it, it, you wind up leveraging uh, state forest roads. Um, just backcountry dirt roads, um, you know, country roads. A lot of in New England, there's uh, there's classifications in roads. Class four is what we try to find, which means it's a 100% unmaintained road. Okay. Um, and those those are the juicy ones, right? And that's that's what uh, the Northeast BDR is known for, the class four roads, uh, mostly in Vermont, some in New Hampshire, and and the and and you look for um, seasonal roads. Um, you know, so it's really more difficult. And, and on top of that, trying to find them is now how do we loop them all together or link them all together to make a fluid route? So it right. took about two years to develop that more than two years, probably develop a route with people from each state that really knew 
um, you know, uh, we got an expert for each one of those states, and there's five of them in in uh, or six actually in the Northeast. Wow! So uh, it was pretty pretty crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, again, that's you know part of the informational resources that you guys offer to uh, the riding community is that. Uh, not everybody can be an expert in an area, but you guys have developed uh, a, a well-known high-profile organization that people, you know, want to be involved with and that can share their local knowledge. I mean, again, mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that most people can figure out for themselves, or if they could, it would just take a long time. If you're saying it took your organization two years to develop the Northeast BDR, you know, any individual would have a much more challenging time so that you basically... You do a lot of the legwork. And when it comes to adventure riding, I know everybody's busy. Everybody's got jobs. Everybody's got demands on their time is that, you know, clearly there, it's not like you, you take the adventure out of the ride experience, but you take some of the planning out that again, uh, it can lead to some disappointments if you've got road closures or you've got route closures or something like that mm -hmm. is people really want to focus on, Hey, I want to have my, get my bike and my gear and my equipment and you know what I'm going to do there. They want to focus on that. They don't really want to focus on on the on the ride or route planning. So that's that's that mm -hmm. takes a lot of the the burden off of people. Yeah. So that was my that was my attraction to the organization. That that's what caught my eye was that you know I love to adventure ride. I love yeah. this riding, but I never had the time to really put into to developing routes. You, know, you work a desk job and you're you're doing right. that 40, 50, 60 hours a week, right? Right. Who has time to develop this? So right. we we cater those individuals that just don't have the time or or the knowledge base to put together a, a fluid track. You know, I, I do want to mention so that people understand uh, the volunteers who are scouting these routes, like right now we're working on the Southeast. The guys have been at work at it for probably, what, three years now, and we're, yeah, we're yeah. developing the route, and we're we're still trying to figure out where should it go, and they've done, you know, numerous mm. tens of scouting expeditions to go see where the tracks go, but it's all volunteer-based. So mm -hmm. when you meet a, a BDR volunteer on the trail and you say, oh, I wish I had your job. Well, no, spending <laughs> <laughs> their own time, their own money, resources to go right. and scout. So I want people to know that when they, you know, donate to the BDR, it's not to pay for these people to go on extravagant scouting trips, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's all you know we're a hundred percent volunteer based other than our staff our right. board doesn't get paid you know our scouting volunteers don't get paid so it's all kind of based on the passion that people have of sharing you know the the, the land and the resources uh, with mm -hmm. the community and making it easier for people to, to go and have these incredible life-changing experiences being kind of on the receiving end of some of the emails we get like these incredible emails. I uh, just recently uh, got an email from uh, a guy who was, he says, I'm 86. My two friends are 75, 78. We went and rode Mobder. And let me tell you, we had the most, you know, memorable experience of our lifetime. So, you know, people who live their whole life and, and they, they're so inspired by this, or yeah. we have teams of fathers and sons and, and gr grandfathers mm -hmm. traveling together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's really, I think, what keeps us going, <laughs> you sure. know, it's not the pay, yeah. it's just this common, common passion to give back. Yeah, what touches me the most is when we do these film premieres and we we meet, we meet the writers out there in the community. And the one of the first things that they'll say to you when they walk up and they introduce themselves is, thank you. They say, thank you for what, you know, for what you've done. You know, we did, you, you create these great experiences for us and we just, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know where to go. If, if it went for you and that's the biggest compliment you know is is and when someone says you know it's the only time i get to spend with my son or my daughter you know we go out there and ride this route together it's 
really that's the reward for us because right it's it's a lot of work and with no pay right? Right. so well i mean it makes sense because i mean you basically are breaking down barriers to uh ha enjoy this kind of recreation i mean you know we sort of take it for granted that if like if you're a hiker there are things like the appalachian trail and the pacific crest trail and and there are these you know things like the colorado river that you could go down on a rafting trip but motorized travel on a motorcycle again if you're leaving the pavement um it's it there are not that many there there are individual little routes and and, and trails and things here and there but to truly put together an expedition length uh route is is enormously challenging and you guys again that that has been your focus and that's uh, that what you've done so i want to make sure that we talk about how people can support the BDR organization. I mean, again, you know, people probably have in mind to do one of these or they've done them. So how do they support uh, the backcountry discovery routes? Yeah, so we, uh, for individual riders who maybe have ridden BDRs and were inspired by the work or who are planning to do it and they go and download the free GPS track, I encourage you to donate, you know, any amount that you're comfortable with. It's a, a tax deductible contribution, or you can join our annual supporter program. There's three different levels that you can choose from. Um, we have over 40 adventure brands in the industry that you would buy from anyways, if you're outfitting yourself on your bike for the expedition. Um, you know, they're providing discounts and, and uh, incentives. So, so, you know, your your contribution not only supports the BDR, but you also get something in return and you got, get all these discounts from apparel and aftermarket parts. Uh, so that's really the best way to support the BDR th is through our supporter program. We also, um, you know, have a number of fundraising opportunities during the year, like we do our annual uh, special edition BDR um, motorcycle sweepstakes. Uh, so that's a great way to, you know, support BDR and maybe win an incredible bike. Uh, and then we also do an annual holiday auction that happens in December. Uh, it's online. And again, we have the support of, of the industry sponsors and, and donors who provide uh, packages to the auction. And then finally, uh, which is actually coming up, we do an annual fundraiser ride weekend. Uh, it's usually uh, somewhere, it's a different location every year where there's great riding. Uh, so this year we're going to Elephant Butte, New Mexico, uh, which is right on the New Mexico BDR. And that's uh, that event is coming up on April 20th through the 23rd. Uh, there's still room available if you wanted to come and join us, but we have daily self-guided rides, wonderful meals, we have entertainment. And then in the evening, uh, there are presentations and roundtable discussions about the future of the BDR. So if uh, if you're available, come and join us on April 20th through the 23rd. So uh, Ride BDR is the website address. So people can go there and, and find out about how they can uh, donate uh, memberships, um, these fundraising rides. Is there a way that they can uh, sign up for maybe uh, emails or something where they can get regular information and updates about what's going on with the BDR organization? Yep, at the footer of the website, you can sign up for a newsletter. Okay. Well, I, I, like I said, I you know basically have lots of riding ahead of me. I'm like a lot of other people doing uh, several BDRs uh, would be on my bucket list. Basically, I would put all of them on my bucket list. Having done the Oregon route, which uh, despite some of the challenges of a of a like not as well maintained of a route. I look forward to doing one of yours that's uh, been maintained. Uh, I know that each one of them is going to be unique. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, I know Southern California versus Arizona versus Colorado versus, you know, Wyoming versus the Northeast. Every place is going to have different kinds of, of terrain and vistas and places you can camp and places you can stay. So 
it's not like you do one and it's like, oh, it's the same. You know, I'm sure everyone has its own unique qualities. Are there ones that you've done that are, there's some particular highlights or, or favorites you've got? Ina, who's your favorite kid? They're all so different. And right. uh, I mean, I, I love the Southern California just mm -hmm. for the beauty of the, you know, the rural mm -hmm. feel of it. Yeah. But yeah. Wyoming was great. I mean, there well, Northeast was so fun with the class four roads. I mean, I think Oregon is one of the more special routes as well. Mm -hmm. You know, very yeah. scenic, uh, quite technical, but you have three distinct kind of ecosystems that you travel through, mm -hmm. starting in the desert, then kind of pine forests, and then you're up in the mountains where you can see, you know, six volcanoes, uh, wow. which is such a special experience for people. So it's really hard to tell. I, I don't know if I would <laughs> choose that. Yeah, it really is. And it also depends on what type of riding you like to do. If you don't like elevation and exposure, you might not want to do the Colorado uh, beater road because right. there's lots of, uh, lots of that. If you love sand, <laughs> then the Southern Cal Southern California right. route might might be the ticket. Um, and just on that note, you know, we're working on the Northern California route, as you mentioned earlier. And uh, I think um, a lot of people get discouraged in, in the Southern California because of the amount of sand and and uh, the promises that there's not going to be sand on the Northern California route. So I'll just I'll just put that out there that we're gonna we're gonna keep it a little harder pack. I, I get it. I mean, again, if I do uh, dual sport and adventure riding in Southern California, that almost always ends up somewhere in the Mojave Desert or something, and mm -hmm. I have good days and bad days with sand, and good moments and bad moments, and um, yeah. so yeah, I, I imagine that's that's the challenge. I mean, but that's that's what really for me, uh, even though I'm not natively a, an off road rider, I learned to ride on the street, and I mostly ride in the street. What I really love about adventure riding, uh, dual sport riding, is it is the challenge. I mean, it really is. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, sometimes there are rocks, sometimes there's mud, sometimes there's uh, like you said, there can be sand, there can be steep terrain there can be flat terrain it can be wide open i mean but part of it for me is what makes it so special is to really get away from the city streets the the the, the highways and so forth you're really away from it all and you can really mm -hmm. kind of just escape from the daily grind and being on your computer and just being remote you know mm -hmm. i mean there's things that people should do i'm sure this is something that you guys advocate people really ought to make sure that they have a way to communicate with the outside world if you're on a remote trail i mean having a a Garmin inReach or a spot communicator or something like that, because you're going to be out where there are not, you're, there's going to be no cell service. So you want to be able to, um, you know, in an emergency situation, uh, get the help that you need, travel with mm -hmm. a buddy, you know, ride right, all of those sorts of things where people need to, to practice good riding habits. And I know that that's something, Ina, that you said in the beginning is, is really trying to be good stewards of the land. This is a um, this isn't a hell raising ride. It's a way to go out on a motorcycle and really enjoy the, the outdoors. So you want to maintain these trails and be respectful of anybody who may live out in these areas or in these smaller communities. Um, um, so yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's really an escape. It's a getaway. Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, it is really important that, that people ride respectfully and respect the land because the counterbalance of, of us driving economic impact through these small communities, we're also driving lots of riders um, through these back roads. And we want to, so we feel obligated that we should be stressing the importance of riding respectfully, you know, riding right for safety and, you know, yielding to animals. So it's really important that um, those, those programs. The other thing I wanted to mention that, you know, you, you talked about the challenge um, is that we highly recommend, especially for the, the person who's new to adventure riding is go out and get some training. Um, before so, you take on, on a BDR. The BM, BMW um, um, motorcycles 
has uh, sponsored our last two routes, the Wyoming and, and the Oregon. And they sent instructors as their guest riders on those last two routes. And um, and the Performance Center is just one of the places that you can get training and it's a great way and it's um, to get exposure to kind of the obstacles that you're gonna you're gonna face out there. Absolutely, yeah, we actually, oh, go ahead, Ina. Oh, and we do have a page on our website that has resources for training. Uh, there are companies that do tours on the BDR. So if you're, mm -hmm. uh, if you don't feel like, you know, you want to work towards the BDR and writing it by yourself or with the group, or you're not prepared for it yet, you know, mm -hmm. do it, a BDR tour. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the resources for the trainings uh, nationwide mm -hmm. are also available on our website. Right. Yeah. yeah, we just had an editor go through one of the BMW US Rider Academy courses. She did a street course there at the Performance Center in uh, in Greer, South Carolina. But, you know, they're probably best known for their off-road training because they basically have the full line of GS models and they've got uh, very thorough instruction on how to deal with everything from climbs and descents and how to break. They've got a sand pit. They've got help you. You know, there's a lot of strategies that may be counterintuitive for street riders, but uh, absolutely having a solid base of skills, it just allows you to enjoy the experience. I think if you're you it, if you're not trained and you're on, especially on a big adventure bike, it's too easy to get in over your head. And then, you know, you not only could you get hurt, but then if you're just stressed out the whole time, you're so afraid of what you don't know and, and what's around the next corner that it really detracts from your experience. So you know, getting the riding experience, riding locally, getting the training and so forth means that once you do go on a week long BDR experience, you're going to enjoy it that much more. You're just going to at the end of every day, you're probably going to be absolutely exhausted. But it's that sort of like satisfaction of, you know, of accomplishment at the end of every day. So you sit around the campfire, you crack a beer, whatever it is that you do. And uh, it's it's the kind of uh, you're really building those sort of memories that last a lifetime. That's great. A hundred percent, Greg. Yeah. You, you nailed it. Well, hey, I really appreciate being able to speak to both of you again. I know that we just met uh, for the first time in person at the AIM Expo in Las Vegas. I was too brief of a visit. I would love to connect with you guys at one of your events sometime, but I just want to thank you for what you guys do for the community. I mean, I know, Tim, like you said, you're a volunteer board president. You know, I know you work hard with a lot of people trying to keep this organization running and, and a lot of outreach um, I really encourage anybody who's listening to just support what they're doing, you know, go to ridebdr.com, uh, make a donation, become a member, do something. Even if you really aren't an adventure rider, I think what you guys do for the motorcycling community is, is worthy of people's support. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. For us. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. And for the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating, and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com, where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Writer Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.